don't think so. Last night. Last night. <laughs> Sorry. This one, no. I'm sorry. I'm. This there is where. I, there we go. Jen did not give any of her gift of for me. I told Jeff last night that he's had the privilege of sharing four times when our family got added to by five. And so I wanted to get a take a crack at it this morning. Uh-huh. So I'm very excited to tell you that. Yesterday, Jen and Drew welcomed little Miss Eleanor Winnie. <laughs> She's pretty cute. And she is 100% perfectly healthy. Yeah. yeah. And I know we wanted to share, especially with you as our church family, because you have prayed and you have been involved in a different way in this pregnancy with us. And you have prayed for Eleanor and you have prayed for... Jen and for our family and it has been definitely a unique journey. There she is like, I don't know, 15 hours later. It's amazing. She was a champ. Natural delivery. Eleanor's eating like a champ. She's awesome. And completely perfect and I want to do this. She looks a lot like her grandfather, doesn't she? I think that's uh, something. <laughs> she looks pretty much like Ali and Lorelai. <laughs> yes, she does. Jen called her her runt. She's 7'11". I don't know if an almost eight pound baby is your runt, but... Um, but I wanted to just share with you, thank you especially, but share that yesterday was probably one of the most precious moments after she was born and perfect. Um, just watching Jen and Drew talk and listening to them and talk about how these last four months have been an intense journey for our family for sure, but how they didn't resent it and didn't regret anything because it had made them better parents. And it was just amazing, a really sweet time for us. And I just want to thank you all so much for your prayers and your support. And God is good. She is perfect. So thank you. Amen. Another generation to enjoy my uh, father, my father's biscuits. My father makes amazing biscuits. You, you know, some people, their grandma, their mom, or whatever else, maybe you. But in our family, um, my father just makes amazing biscuits. And I I was trying to figure out what is it that goes into his biscuits that makes it so amazing, makes them so good. So you know, I was talking to him. He said, you know, you use, you use flour and you use shortening and you use salt and you use ice water. And I thought, well, what is it then? Which ingredient causes the biscuits to be so good? So I have an illustration up here, and I thought, I'm just going to taste each one to figure out which, which ingredient makes it best. And this is flour, so I'll take some flour and eat that. And... Where is it? Mm. That's not very good. It can't be the flour. And got shortening. That's pasty and nasty. It, it can't be the shortening. That's just kind of, you know, oh man. Must be the salt. <coughs> Excuse me. I like salt on food, but salt, that, that, that has nothing to do with this biscuits, it seems to me. It can't be the salt. Thank God I have ice water because I've got to wash this nastiness down. Uh, I'll taste the It must be the ice water. That doesn't taste like anything. So then, how can the, you know, the biscuits are, you guys have biscuits this morning? You guys have some biscuits out there, right? You like biscuits? They taste incredible, right? You put them in, you come out of the oven, they're really, really good. Grandma's biscuits. My father also has this gravy that your, your arteries harden just looking at it. You know what I'm saying? It's that old southern recipe, puts it in the pan and put, I don't know, he gets some grease from the bacon or whatever, and it's all, and you think, ugh, but it tastes fantastic. But I'm wondering, how is it that individual ingredients that aren't really that great can come together and create a biscuit that good? What is it? Because it's not this. You know, you put them in the oven when they're all mixed together and you get the heat going and when that biscuit comes out, it's so, it's amazing. But how is it that individual ingredients in and of themselves that actually alone 
are not good at all. Even if you mix them up in the bowl and kind of get a swipe of that, uh, it's not good either. How is it that that can come together to create something so amazing? Well, I think 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27, explains it for us. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they, were not, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker... Are, are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while, uh, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another." If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Let that sink in for a second. Read that last part again. Now, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you, speaking to us, speaking to the church of Corinth, but he's speaking to us. Each one of you is a part of it. God has given Grace Chapel, I thought about this, everything we need right now to fulfill our vision and purpose. Where we are in our history, where we are right now, God has placed people within this church. You may not know it. You may not even realize it yourself. But God has placed each person in this church for a specific purpose, and we need, we have everything that we need in order to fulfill the vision and purpose that God has given to us. I am convinced that churches all over the world miss out on the fullness of all that Jesus Christ has for them because they do not, they fail to realize, they don't realize the potential of each member of the body and the magic, if you will, the, the utter magic of working together, coming together, there's, there, this is unique. The church is not an organization. The church is a living, breathing organism. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and all of us are a part of the body of Jesus Christ. We are alive. It is alive. It is not the walls of this building. It's not the ceiling. I mean, so many people look at a church and say, I'm going to go to church because I like the look of this one, or I like the look of that one, or I like the way they're located over here. The church is not a building. The church is all of you. And Christ is the head of the church. Now, there's the universal church. Okay, all believers, church across the street, church over here, church down the street, we're a part of, if we know Christ, the, the universal church of Christ. We're together as his body in that way. This morning, I'm really talking about specifically, we can apply to both, but I'm talking about the local church, this church, Grace Chapel. See, you need to understand what I'm speaking about this morning. You need to understand the truth of what we're talking about or this, this year, the rest of this year, will have very little or some, in some cases no impact on your life whatsoever. This is how important what we're discussing this morning is. If we don't connect, okay, if we don't connect with each other as the body of Christ, we will not be able to do the other things that we'll be talking about this coming year. This is going to be the best year this church has ever seen. 
2014 is going to be the best year we have ever seen. And the way we make that happen is that we do what God has called us to do under the leadership, the headship of Jesus Christ. His body comes together and works together to be a global community of Christ's followers, which is our vision, awakening imagination, igniting passion and unleashing purpose. We need to function as one. We need to function together. The problem with the 21st century church and the 20th century church for the most part, at least the latter part of the 20th century, is that we've gotten into a habit of saying, I go to such and such church. You, you, you go to a church that has lots of staff people and they then do the job of the church while everyone else, for the most part, uh, maybe 20% will jump in. For the most part though, everybody else puts their feet up and relaxes because we paid someone else to do that. That, now, having staff in a church is a wonderful thing. You guys invest your resources, you tithe in order for me not to go have to work somewhere full time. I can invest all of my energy and my giftedness and my talents and my abilities right here with you. It's part of the reason you tithe. It frees up other people to be able to work full time in doing this. But that does not relieve everyone else of what their responsibilities are within the church. We are the body of Christ. Every single one of us bringing something unique to the table. The power of a unit working together is not just seen in baking here. I find it really amazing because if you think about it, you know, have all these ingredients, you put them together. But something else that's amazing is that when you put something together and you, it gets heated up, if you will, the pressure is on, it helps create something dynamic. And all of us bring something different to the table. All of us have gone through different experiences in our lives. You've been through things in your life that I have not been through. I need that experience. We as a staff, we as a leadership of the church need that experience so that we can then fulfill all that God has for us. Even the struggles that we face, even when things get hot, if you will, even when things get difficult, even when the pressure is on, even that turns ingredients that are not so good, if you will, that don't have it all together, even that can turn into something incredible because of the, the heat and the pressure that is put on. God uses everything. God works all things together, all things together for good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. We don't just see that in baking or cooking. We see that in God's design for nature. You see, it, you see tons of examples of this in the animal kingdom, for example. Now, geese flying in a V formation. All of us have seen geese, around, especially around here. All of us may, maybe hit some geese. But all of us have seen geese flying in a V formation. Geese fly in a V formation for a specific reason. They're working together. The head goose is not, the goose up front is not just because it's the toughest goose. I fly up front, all of you fly behind me. The goose that you see in front that's flying is flying there for a purpose. He's taking his, or she is taking her turn up front. Flying up front is extremely difficult because there's no updraft for that goose that's flying up front. The geese that are behind, when the wings are flapping, they create an updraft. And so the goose behind it, it's easier to fly when you're not up front. And so what the, strong, the, geese, the goose does up front is he, when, they, when he gets tired, he shifts back in that V to another place where he has the updraft and it's easier for, for that goose to fly. When they get rested, they shift around and they go up front. They, they rotate. That's how they're able to fly such incredible distances because they're working together as a team, as a group. You see it with penguins when it's really, really cold outside. Those poor penguins, where they have to live, it's frigid. And so the penguins will come together for their survival to make sure that everyone survives. They work together. They'll create a circle, and you'll have penguins on the outside. And the penguins on the outside are not the biggest, toughest penguins for the most part. They're taking turns. They stay on the outside, and when the penguins on the outside are just about, hey, I can't take this much more, they shift inside that circle. They shift within the group, and other penguins shift to the outside and take their place. And in that way, everyone is staying warm. They rotate in. If penguins decided to be selfish, 
put their feet up and say, well, I'm going to stay in the middle. It's nice and cozy in here. What do I care what's happening to the penguins on the outside? At least I'm not on the outside. If that were the mentality of the penguins, they would all be dead because then the ones on the outside sooner or later would drop dead from exposure, right? And then layer by layer, all the penguins would die. So they work together. They, they function together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says that we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. It doesn't say we are like the body of Christ. It says we are the body of Christ. It's miraculous. Jesus is the head. We are the living body of Jesus Christ here on earth. We talk about this all the time, you know, being the hands of God and being the feet of God and being the voice of God and all those things that we use as analogies. They're true. We are the body of Jesus Christ. We come together to form one body. We are a group of people linked to Jesus Christ. That's what we have in common. We have been saved as individuals. That's very true. Each one of us gave our life to Jesus Christ as an individual. We have been saved as individuals, but we are joined together through our relationship with Jesus Christ. That is what helps us. That is where we get that, that oneness that we have in Jesus Christ helps us overcome our differences. And I'm not talking about specific personality differences. Well, that may be the case. Some people may be more assertive. Other people may be more laid back. Some people are seriously have a million, they're millionaires in the church. Other people have a difficult time rubbing two nickels together. You know, so from a socioeconomic standpoint, we're different. Maybe we come from different parts of the world. Maybe we grew up, some of us grew up poor, some of us grew up in a very wealthy environment. We all bring that to the table. There's nothing wrong with any of that, but in the world, those differences are, they, they clash with each other most of the time. In the body of Christ, we use those differences to strengthen the overall body of Christ. We all bring something different to the table. God breaks down our differences and turns them into our strength. One of the most amazing and revolutionary things about Christianity in the early stages of Christianity was the way that we, that the way that the church broke down barriers. It turned the world upside down. When the church came into existence, it completely turned the culture, turned the world upside down. For the first time in history, Slaves and masters met together in the same building for the same purpose. They ate meals together. They worshipped side by side with each other. For the first time, men and women were able to worship together without the divisions that Jewish worship demanded. For the first time, Jews and Gentiles saw themselves as equals under the God that they worshipped. There was a breaking down of the divisions that, that, that were created in culture. Normally, that's what normally happens. You know, someone, one of my friends from Nigeria once told me, you know, if you eliminated the color of people's skin, they judge each other by their foot size. People are going to come up with some way to say, I'm better than you, my, I have a bigger feet, and bigger feet are better, whatever the case may be. They don't need color to create division. The church breaks down that division and calls us to be one in Jesus Christ. See, the church refused to follow in the footsteps of the world. The church instead set a different standard. 1 Corinthians teaches us that while each of us has individual gifts, and talents and abilities, we come together, each one of us, we come together and we make up what we call the church, what we call the body, the flour, the shortening, the salt, the, the, the ice water, don't seem like much until they join forces, right? You guys have a bit, you got the biscuit out there? I wanted to eat that biscuit. Can I get the, this? I love biscuits. Most people love biscuits, right? Get a biscuit, smell them, bacon. It's like, can't wait, those biscuits are done. Thanksgiving, the biscuits, the rolls, you love them. They're not much individually, but then something unique happens. This is what I want you to, I want everyone to own this. 
Something unique happens when all the ingredients come together. When they come together, they are a powerful force to be reckoned with. Individually, and I know, I'm not picking, some, you, you're all impressive, okay? But individually, I walk in, I may be in a place and I walk down the street and whatever, and I'm not very impressive. No one go, wow, I could see why he's so, whatever, he's in real. I'm not impressive individually. You surround me with the body of Christ, though. You allow me to, to do what God has called me to do, be more of a visionary entrepreneur. I've learned other, other skills, but that's naturally my natural bent is to be more entrepreneurial, more, more visionary, more of an implementer. But, and that, that's all good, but without the rest of the body, that is an extremely dangerous thing to do, to be entrepreneurial if you don't have people around you who have other gifts to maintain certain things, to give, to give skill and give insight into how the inner workings of a business works, how the inner workings of a church, how, how that all fits together. We need each other to be the best that we can be individually, eh, not too impressive. Together, we are a force for God. We are a force for the kingdom of God. Now, Paul's picture of the church is basically twofold. One, it says basically we have value and each one of us plays a part. And second, we cannot function or live in isolation from each other. People will say to me sometimes, well, I can worship God sitting under a tree. You know what? You're absolutely right. You can worship God sitting under a tree. But you know what you can't do sitting under a tree? You can't encourage me. If I'm not, you're, you're sitting under a tree by yourself. You can, you can sit under a tree and worship God. You can be still and know that I am God under a tree, and you can pray under a tree, but you, I can't be baptized by myself under a tree, and I can't encourage and build others up under a tree, and I can't come around someone and, and give them a hug when they're going through a really difficult time if, if, I'm not, if, if one person's sitting under a tree. There are certain things we can't do in isolation that the body of Christ can do together. We need each other. To be a Christian is to be in existence with others, with, to be in existence with other followers of Jesus Christ. We need each other. You need others as much as they need you, and they do need you. Some people think, oh, no one's going to notice when I'm gone. You know, in a take out the Bible and take out God, you're right. No one, who cares if you're gone? Okay, you know, you're not a part of that little team or whatever else. I don't know, maybe whatever. In the church, that is completely ridiculous. God has placed you in this church at this point in history for a specific reason. To fulfill the vision and purpose that we have as a church, we cannot ultimately do what God has called us to do without you. Fact, end of story. We just read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 26, right? Um, it basically says that the parts that that seem to have like seem like not as much honored if you will whatever else have just as much significance within the body of Christ as every other part because when we all stand before God God will <laughs> I don't care who you idolize when they stand before God I'm sorry God's not impressed he gave them or gave her a special gift or ability to use to glorify himself and to build the kingdom of God. That person. When you stand before God, he, know how, he knows how he designed you. He's going to be just as impressed with you as a person who's really impressive to everyone else because you have fulfilled what you were designed to do. If the really talented, incredibly flashy person does not do what God has designed them to do, God's not going to be impressed. The one question God's not going to ask me when I get to heaven is, hey, hey, how big was your church? Think, you know, tell me how big, even Kate doesn't care what he cares about. Did I do what he called me to do? within the body of Christ. He will add to our numbers those who are being saved as we are a healthy church. And that's what this is talking about, being a healthy church. Now, you need to remember whom Paul was writing, who, who, who he's writing to, okay? And basically, it was a group of very gifted people, but they didn't get along very well. So you had the church of Corinth, extremely gifted, couldn't get along. They argued. They showed little, little care for certain sections of the congregation. You know, if certain people, they just, you know, mm, they, 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 they fought with each other. Some thought of themselves, the reason they, they got into conflict is some thought of themselves as, as more important than others, more spiritual. They were, they were more spiritual than other people. 
And they got in, they were dragging each other into court. They were arguing over worship and all this was going on. And while this is going on, yet in in spite of all that that Paul had seen and heard about, he calls them in the beginning of 1 Corinthians, sanctified, called, and holy. That's how he addresses them. Sanctified, called, and holy. He doesn't beat up on them. He says, you are the church. You are the body of Christ. You are sanctified. You are called and you are holy. Calls in the church. God is in the business of calling people to become more than they are. He's in the business of doing that. We are imperfect. This is a church full of imperfect people. No matter how big we get, it's going to be a church filled with imperfect people. That's okay. We are one in Jesus Christ. If we are in Christ, then our standing with God, we're perfect in Christ. But the reality is we're, we're on our way and God is going to continue to work in each one of us to help us become the people that we're, we were created to be. So he's going to use imperfect people to do something perfect, to do something amazing, to do something absolutely incredible. God's going to use us to move and to impact the world around us. The church is not like the world. The church as an organism is not like other organizations. We we, we act like it sometimes, I have to admit, we do. We act like it sometimes, but I've been in church for a long time, and even at the worst, um, the church does not function like organizations or businesses or other things within the world. And even if we do act that way sometimes, my friends, we were not designed to function that way. In the world, people use each other. And you can all attest to this. If you're old enough, you can attest to what I'm saying. People in the world use each other. They belittle each other. They criticize each other while promoting themselves. How do I become the best? How do I get around everyone else so that I can achieve what I want to achieve? And if it's on your back, that's your problem. In the world, people are rude and they're abusive if they don't get their way. If they don't get their way, they become aggressive. They're jealous of those who attain more or have been given special privileges, or have just been basically maybe promoted or have greater status in the world, people use their time and their talents to get ahead for themselves, for personal gain. And Paul says that is not the way the church should function. We should not function in the same way. We were brought together as one. The church, as you read the word of God, it says you're in the church to build others up. Here... Our function and our purpose is for the good of other people. If someone is hurting, then we are all in pain together. Jen shared when she was going through her pregnancy, she shared with all of you as hard as it was what she was feeling and some of the, the, the things she was kind of concerned about, what the doctors may have said and you know the, the possibilities. She said that so that the body of Christ that she is a part of, her family could, could enter into her pain with her, pray for her, encourage her through this because you have no idea how it's all going to turn out and it's better to have people around you loving you and praying for you. So when one of us is in pain, Paul said, all of us should be in pain. If one of us gets a raise, if one of us gets success, if one of us receives some kind of accolades, we should all rejoice with that person. Why? Why? Because if one of you develops an app, okay, and you make $350,000 a day from your app, we should all rejoice because you're going to give 10%. No, I'm just kidding. No, we should all... <laughs> I will be ecstatic. I'll be praising God, dancing around. No, because we know as the body of Christ, you will use those resources to impact the lives of people all around you because you're a part of the body. It's who you are. I take the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the resources that God has given to me, and I use them 
to build the body of Christ. And Paul says we need to rejoice with each other when something happens because that person is a part of the body and you're a part of the body too. And together, that person can use resources maybe to invest in something or a vision that you have to be able to build the kingdom of God in a different way. The lives of children around the world will be changed. They'll be going to school. They'll be drinking clean water as you take those resources and invest them in the kingdom of God. We need to function together. We need to share with one another. We need to enjoy and, 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 and invite each other into the, into the fold, if you will, of our own lives. And when someone is hurting, you're hurting with them. When someone's rejoicing, you're rejoicing with them. We encourage each other to use our gifts to glorify God. That is the purpose of the body of Christ. In the, in the, Christ, in the church, there's a difference. There's, a, there's different values. We function differently than they do in the world. See, this doesn't happen naturally. Think about it. It doesn't happen naturally. It only happens when we function as a spiritual unit, when we function as one, when we live out the reality of what it means to be one in Jesus Christ, then those things happen. That's what this series is all about. This is what this new series, Forward, is all about. Using, coming together, and, f- and going forward in Jesus Christ. And how do we do that? First, we need to connect with each other. It's about the power of God being unleashed in people's lives, people who love Jesus Christ, people who have the same spirit, people who, ha- who are one in their thought process and how they live their lives people who have a desire to connect first, then to grow, and we'll talk about next week, then to serve, and then together change the world. That, my friends, is what this series is all about. And we cannot accomplish what God has for us unless we do it together. There is not one group of people, 20% of this congregation cannot fulfill the vision of this church Period, end of story, will never happen. In any church, I don't care how big it is, I don't care how small it is, 20% of the people cannot do 100% of the work and and think that it's going to fulfill all that God has for the church. We need to live out God's purpose for our lives. And if we do that, we will do things. You will experience things in your life as an individual within this church that you never thought possible. The reason, the reason that our children sit around sometimes and wonder, is this Christianity thing really, is it real? Is it, is, it, is, it, is it just my parents go to church because it's traditional? First you had the Santa Claus, then you have Easter Bunny and blah, 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 and then you have God and they all kind of... Is it, the way our children look at us and they see the church, they watch us like a hawk and they're, they're looking to see if it's a reality. And I'm telling you, if we come together if, as one, in the, with Christ as our head, and we are the body of Christ, if we come together, we will do the miraculous. Jesus even said it, he told us, you will do even greater things than you've seen me do. And we think about, well, that's just, he was just saying that. Why do you think he said that? You think it was some kind of allegory or some kind of story, he was just making a point. No, he was telling, he was telling the truth. When I leave and you're filled with the Spirit of God and you come together as the body under my lordship, under my headship, you will do even greater things than these. You say, well, I don't really see that happening in the world. We don't see it happening in the world because 20% of the people are doing 100% of the work. And they're tired. And the staff is tired. I'm not talking about just Grace Chapel. I'm talking about Christianity in general. They're tired. They can't do it all. Everyone in the body of Christ needs to bring their gifts, their talents, their abilities, their resources together as one, and we will see things that we never thought possible. Never thought possible. Each body, see, this is what this series is about. Each body is unique. Every church body is unique. It's called by God for a unique purpose. This series will teach us about the uniqueness of Grace Chapel and how God can use every single one of us to pull off what he has for us. And I, I think every church is awesome. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thumbs up to every one of them. The enemy is Satan. Every other church that believes in Jesus Christ is a partner, and we're behind them, we're for them, we support them. But God has called Grace Chapel to something very unique as well. 
It's a little different than your average, you know, church that, that functions as a church. And you've seen it if you've been here for more than three weeks. You hear things that are kind of out of the ordinary. But it is time, if we're going to truly fulfill it all, that we come together and everyone gets involved. Everyone gets involved. We need to let go of our fears. And we need to let go of our excuses. And we need to build into this place that we call Grace Chapel. We need to invite others to be a part of this body. This should be the greatest year of growth this church has ever seen. This will be, 2014, the greatest year this church has ever seen. And part of that needs to be evangelism, reaching out and inviting people to, to come and be a part of this church, the uniqueness of this church. How can, seriously, okay, you're sitting down with someone at work and you're talking about your church and they're thinking, oh, church, and you start talking about um, oh yeah, we're, we, we, we help build an aquaponics system. I'm going to read something to you later for Crone Conservatory and the Cincinnati Zoo and the Botanical Gardens. And they're like, what, what, what was that? What did you do? What did your church do? It inspires people. It's different. It's not normal. The things that we do in the church, you have so many avenues to start a conversation, to invite your friends, your neighbors, whatever, to come into this church that we call Grace Chapel, to be a part of this spiritual journey. That's what people are dying to be a part of something bigger than themselves. They're dying to, be, to, to know that there's a God out there who's truly, truly impacting this world. People don't want to be a part of something boring and lame and whatever the case may be. This is not not it this is not it this place is unique and God is using us in powerful powerful ways we're here because of the love of Jesus Christ and we need to share that love with other people this is what makes the church different from every other organization in the world that we have been loved by Jesus Christ and we come together for that reason and that purpose we are motivated by the love of Jesus Christ, my friends, and we encourage, we are encouraged to be like him as we interact with other people. We're encouraged to share all that he's given to us with those around us. And I think I have been remiss a little bit in pushing this more than I, than I, than I have. I should push it more. We need to fill this place up. Not because I want to be the biggest church in the country. I, before God knows my heart, I could care less. What I do care about is that God has a purpose for this church and we are where we are, and he's given us everybody in this body to fulfill what he has for us right now. But as he keeps pushing forward, we're going to have to add and, and invest in more people with different gifts and different talents and different abilities to come alongside of those already here to fulfill everything that God has for us. And we want them to come to know Christ. And if they're a Christian and not connected to a church already, we need to engage them, get them back into the game. Bring them to a church that's healthy. I'm not bragging, I'm just speaking reality. This church is a healthy church. We deal with things we need to deal with. We don't let things go. And so we're a healthy place. Do we have problems? Certainly do. Are we going to have problems in the future? We certainly are, but we're going to deal with them in a biblical way that's encouraging and uplifting from a biblical perspective. People want to be a part of something like that. So we reflect Jesus Christ in our lives to the world around us. We, we love and care for each other. Grace Chapel is, is, is a church that you can honestly say, we're living out a lot of what Paul is talking about in the body of Christ. We love each other. We care for each other. We encourage each other. We build each other up. We invest in each other. People losing their houses last year didn't lose their houses because we invested and make sure they didn't lose their houses. People who needed Christmas things, and it wasn't just a Christmas. It's all year long. We help each other. We pull people. We're the penguins. When someone's freezing on the outside, we pull them toward the inside and make sure they're kept safe and warm. And maybe take some of the, maybe sacrifice something that we wanted to do with our resources to make someone else, make sure someone else didn't leave or lose their home. Make sure someone else had a good Christmas. Make sure someone else had a car. Make sure someone else had something that they needed. Make sure someone around the world, we sacrifice for other people to make sure something they, they have something they need by giving up something we want. We have, we have that. We are that. All I'm saying to you is how much more, how much more could we be and how much more could we do if we, if we take this verse to heart and truly live it out. I love you with all of my heart, and I want everyone sitting here, and if you just want to come and sit, I, I will never make you feel uncomfortable, except from the pulpit where I, it's in a generality kind of thing. But I really want to encourage you with all of my heart. We need you. It isn't about, it's about, we need you. 
We need you engaged. We need you to be a part of this body that we call Grace Chapel. You know, if we're willing to commit, if we're willing to commit ourselves to his cause and his purpose for Grace Chapel, we can spread the love of Jesus Christ outside this church. And listen, we can help shape, we can help shape and influence our community. And you think, well, how can a church, I could see if it was like a mega, mega, mega church, how it could somehow shape and influence its culture. But how can we, Grace Chapel, influence and shape the culture and the community in which we live? By being an innovative church community. We are one of the most innovative churches you will ever see anywhere. We are. We are. And it's not, it's not my opinion. It's the opinion of people outside around the country who look at Grace Chapel and say, my gosh, how did you do that? What are, why are you doing that? How? You know, we have this whole idea of, of not secular, sacred, but sinful and sacred. If it's not sinful, it's what? Right, and we can use it to glorify God. And so you, ha- you say, how do we influence our culture? Let me read you something from a newspaper, okay, a local newspaper. It says, in Mason, a nonprofit with a twist. Earnings used to fund international ministries for the poor. Uh, it says to in- uh, it invests uh, in, it operates businesses. When Dave Stacy, one of our church members, needed a loan to launch his Westchester business, Sunrise Coffee, last spring, he turned to his church, unique in, uh, in and of itself. If people need resources to start the business, how many people know a person who came to their church for those resources? Now, this money came from self-sustaining enterprises that was birthed out of Grace Chapel, but right there, uniqueness, okay? Grace Chapel off Ohio 42 in Mason is the birthplace of self-sustaining enterprises, SSE. The 12-year-old nonprofit creates, operates, and invests in businesses to support another Mason nonprofit with ties to Grace Chapel, back-to-back ministries. When people ask if we take donations at at SSE, I tell them we don't want to take donations, said Pete West, SSE director, since last March. SSE was formed to finance back-to-back ministry missions to aid orphans and poor people in Mexico, India, Nigeria, and Haiti. Stacy, Dave, um, $12,000 loan repayment at $200 a month will fuel such efforts. So we, the SSE loaned him the money to start Sunrise Coffee. Now Dave is paying that money back in dividends, if you will. It's not, nothing in writing, but he has, it's a business tree. So we invest the money back into self-sustaining enterprises, and now kids are going to school, waters, wells are being drilled. So that's, how we, that's one way that we're doing that. We are interested in developing long-term businesses, Wes said, Rather than donating to a cause, donate to create a sustainable source of money. SSE will contribute $60,000 this year and hopes to double uh, contributions every following year. Funds are divided into investments of new venture funds and, and dividends for back-to-back ministry. So part of the money will be reinvested to get more money, and the other part will be given to back-to-back to take care of the orphans and widows and things. SSE operates New to Youth, uh, New to Youth Thrift Store in Mason, and Rockefeller's Pizza in Sharonville, a New York-style pizza shop. All profits, all profits from these ventures support SSE and business operations, including some paid staff. SSE helped to launch Sunrise Coffee, a drive-through coffee kiosk off Route 42 in Westchester, and offer you apparel, mason embroidery, and screen printing business. These businesses are operated by individual owners, and a portion of the profits support self-sustaining enterprises. A Nigerian-operated branch of SSE runs five Nigerian businesses, including an IT company, a bridal shop. These businesses provide employment for locals and fund local orphanages operated by back-to-back ministries. In addition to loans, SSE provides free business consultations consulting for startups, including marketing and tax preparation administered by SSE volunteers. It would have, now again, most people, if they're here for the first time, are going, why why is the church doing that? If it's not sinful, it's what? Boom. So if you're a marketing guy, guess what? You're a marketplace minister, and your gift is marketing, and you use that to build the kingdom of God. It's part of our DNA. It's part of how we see things, and the way we see things is completely right. All of this belongs to God. All of this, what I'm reading to you, belongs to God. So why should we not be investing in it? I would have spent thousands of dollars for a consultation and continued support, uh, um, consultation and the continued support of SSC that SSC provides, said Stacy. The SSC board includes an array of business, business knowledge from companies such as LensCrafters and Sinclair WKRC. West retired from Procter & Gamble to join SSC after 30 years in supply chain management. See? 
that's a God thing, supply chain management. SSC also researches sustainable living methods, including aquaponics. Aquaponics is a closed circuit water system where fish fertilize plants and plants clean the fish's water. This can provide protein and crops for developed countries, urban cores, or developing nations year round. Last summer, SSC con uh, uh, created an aquaponics display for the Crone Conservatory in an aquaponics greenhouse to harvest produce for a Cincinnati Zoo and Botanical Gardens restaurant. Okay? Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I didn't build the aquaponics system. I'm no expert in marketing. I'm not an expert in accounting. How do we pull all this off as a church? Because we believe that if it's not sinful, it's sacred. And every gift and talent that we have within the church belongs to God. That's how those things happen. So when you say, well, how... See, pastors love to say, we're going to change the world. We're going to change our community. We're going to influence our community. We can influence our community because we have reached 10,000 kids in the school system. We've been invited in to teach archery, and we invest in their lives. We invested in the Crone Conservatory, in the Cincinnati Zoo, in local things here. We feed people. That's how we're going to influence and change our culture and society. It's not a pipe dream. It's already happening. All I'm saying is you haven't seen anything yet. We are just getting started. And if more people would invest more of their time in, say, Rockefellers to help to get that business even stronger, then more resources go to self-sustaining enterprises where they invest that money then in developing in countries, in business streets there that fund initiatives that can't fund themselves like education and healthcare. We're not just pipe dreaming, we're making it happen. We're influencing our culture and you need to be a part of that. To give you an indication of, well, you know what, I'm going to hold off because there I have other sermons I'm going to share with you, some of these other things as time goes on. I'm going to save some of them for later on. So the question for you is how, how do you, my question to you is how do you see yourself when it comes to uh, interacting in your church, what we call Grace Chapel? How do, you, how do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a kind of a bystander coming in and going out? Or do you see yourself as getting involved in the church? See, I want to challenge you this morning as, as, as this new year starts. Think about what Grace Chapel means to you. Think about what it means to you to be a part of Grace Chapel. Try to, get a, try, to, try, to, try, to, try to develop a sense of belonging here. Get involved in the life groups. If you're a student, get involved in the junior high youth ministry or the high school ministry or the women's ministry or the men's ministry or the, whatever ministry it is. Get engaged, get involved, connect, 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 connect. Because even in the youth ministry, we need your gifts within that youth ministry. You go in there and you say, well, gosh, it's not what I really, I don't feel really comfortable because no one said hello to me. How about, and I agree with you totally, it's uncomfortable. How about you get involved, you overcome some of your fears, and you become the person who stands by the door, and if someone's all by themselves, you go and greet them and make them feel more comfortable. Maybe you take the responsibility since others are not because you have the gift of hospitality and you are caring and considerate and then you become the person who makes someone else feel comfortable and that's the way the body of Christ works and that's the way the body of Christ grows. Don't just, here's an, don't just talk about the church as like, oh, that church or Grace Chapel. Talk about it as my church or, or our church. Talk about it. This is my church. This is our church. Listen, guys, I'm just going to be totally honest. If we're missing something here at Grace Chapel, I already, know, I already know it. I know we're missing a lot of things. Things that would be, if we, if we could do these things, it'd be much better. But I'm only one person, okay? Unless they add like two more weeks to the week, like there's three weeks, I can't possibly keep up with all the needs of this church. Can't do it. I can't implement the things I already have in my head. If there's something missing here, help me. Help. Why? You're the body of Christ, it's your church, my church, our church. It isn't Jeff Greer's church. I'm going to be dead someday. Someone else is going to be the senior pastor. Someone else is going to be... It is our church. If we're missing something, I'll be the first to raise my hand and admit it. But I also would say to you, please... And this is not like... Um, there's no aggression or anything. It's just please help. We know we're missing some things. And, and the reason we're missing is we can't physically keep up with it. We can't implement it because we can't do it alone. We, I can't start another Bible study. I can't do another whatever. I need your help. God has called us together at this time in history for his purpose, to do his will. He's challenged us. Listen, 
I mean this with all my heart. Go look elsewhere and see if anyone else is doing. I can name three churches in the country that are doing what we're doing. We're one of them. There's two others, and they're amazing. We have been called to a dynamic, a dynamic vision that if we can pull it off, will change, will change, okay, this culture. If we can, not alone, not alone, if others join with us in what we're doing, and they are, they are starting all over Cincinnati, there are business trees popping up all over the place that El Self-Sustaining Enterprise or Grace Chapel had nothing to do with. Why? Because they were following our lead. It's not, oh, we're so great. The Holy Spirit has spoken to those within the body to do this. And he's spoken to others, and they just use us as a conduit and to learn from what we're doing. If we can pull this off, we will change our culture. We'll change our city. Let's accept the challenge with passion and boldness. Let's live out everything that God has for us. Let's live and work as one. Let's accomplish everything. Let, seriously, when we get to heaven and God shows what we were supposed to accomplish... Let's not have half that list not accomplished. Let's accomplish as a church everything he's plan- he has planned for us. Let's do it all. If that happens, your children will be transformed. Your lives, your marriage, your families will be trans- transformed. Your friends will be transformed. Your business will be transformed. Your school will be transformed. Why? Because you will see things and experience things and your friends and your neighbors will see things and experience things that they've never experienced before. They will wonder why they ever didn't go to church because it'll be that dynamic because we, everything that God has given them inside to do, we can, we can put to practice, put into practice. We can use for the glorification of Jesus Christ and for the building of the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we praise you for this time that we can spend together. And Father, we pray that you would use us, each one of us, to build your kingdom that you would use each one of us, Lord God, to leave this place and to pray about how we can bring to bear our specific gifts, talents, abilities, time, resources, all of it, how we can bring it to bear to fulfill the vision that you have for us as a church. We love you, and God, we expect to do incredible, amazing things. We expect you to do above and beyond all we could ever ask or imagine because you promised you would that we would do even greater things than you did when you were here on earth. Father, we want to do that. We, want, we, we are bold enough to ask for that. So use us. Challenge us even more. Give us things that are beyond our wildest imaginations and capabilities. Let us see it right in front of us, Lord. Let us grasp for the best. Because you've called your body and you are the head. And what you call us to do, what you purpose and call us to do, you will give us the ability to accomplish, or you wouldn't have told us to do it. In Jesus' precious and holy name, we love you and we pray it. Amen. Have a great, great week.